0: Hi, Vicky. Hi, Shane. What's your relationship to fire?
1: (laughs) 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 What a weird question. Do you like fire?
0: No, that is not what I asked. I asked what your relationship is. No, I know, but that's what it makes me think of.
1: (laughs) My relationship to fire. Yeah. I like it when it's in a fire pit. Okay. I like it when it cooks my food. Okay. Other than that, I don't think I like it.
0: <laughs> I was my so yeah. My uh, my motivation for this, I think, was more on kind of that first when I when I think of fire, I think of fire pit, bonfire, yeah. uh,
1: right? Fun like, stuff.
0: Yeah, like growing up in the country, Nurse. I remember there was oh, what was it? I think it. It was one of my early college years. It was one of the first, like one of the years I actually went home for the summer. Uh, So it must have been a freshman, sophomore, sophomore, junior, whatever it was. And that summer, we had like with my core group of friends, we had a like a fire at my house every single week. Uh,
1: Oh, that's fun.
0: Yeah, and it wasn't anything. I mean, there'd be there'd be a few of us, there'd be a dozen of us. And it was literally like we could see my house. It wasn't like in the woods doing anything wild and crazy. But yeah. it's just I have these really fond memories of building a fire kind of in yeah. in a controlled way in the woods. That's but I cool. will say we would play what we called fire sticks, Uh-oh. which is a with the caveats of like, it's going to sound very irresponsible, but like. A handful of us were literally Eagle Scouts, so we knew what we were doing. But picture picture like a uh like a lightsaber battle, except with fire (gasps) sticks. (laughs) Yeah.
1: You should do that again.
0: No, absolutely not. Uh, like remember fire sticks? I'm like, yeah, no, that's it it was a fine idea at the time, but we we have more things to entertain our time with these days.
1: (laughs) Thank goodness.
0: Science is fascinating. But don't just take my word for it. Join us as we hear stories from scientists for everyone. I'm Shane Hanlon.
1: And I'm Vicky Thompson.
0: And this is third pod from the sun. So this week we're talking fire, specifically forest fires. So question for you, Vicki. Does it seem like Does it seem like there are a lot more wildfires in recent years?
1: It does. And it seems like they're happening all the time all over the world, right? So California, Australia, Portugal have all had some pretty scary ones recently, I think. But they've always had wildfires, right? So I'm wondering if they're happening more often or if we're just paying closer attention. Are they being reported on more?
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I'm sure there are a lot of factors that shape our perception of wildfire occurrence. Um And no individual piece of information is enough to say for certain whether fires are happening more often or just kind of capturing more of our attention. But that's where math can help.
1: Mm, Yeah, I thought we were talking about math in this series, right? So what's the deal here? How does it connect?
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So helpfully... Helpfully? No, I think helpfully is the right word. Helpfully, I am not the person who has these answers. So for that, we're gonna to turn to producer Ty Berg. Hi, Ty. Hi, Shane. So tell us a little bit more.
2: All right, so uh, in the summer of 2020, Colorado experienced its worst wildfire season on record. More than There were more than a thousand fires that burned across the state and hundreds of thousands of acres went up in smoke. But Colorado summers are always hot and fire is a normal part of the life cycle of its forests. It can even be healthy for their regeneration. And on top of that, high temperatures are not the only factor that elevate fire risk. Precipitation, humidity, and wind speed all play an an important role. And so does forest management. So extreme events like the Colorado wildfire season of 2020 are often attributed to climate change, but with such a complex set, set of variables, how do we actually know that's the case? Mathematicians like Dan Cooley use statistical analysis to help us understand how these variables have changed over time and how they have made extreme wildfire seasons like that one much more likely to occur.
3: My name is Dan Cooley. I am a professor in the Department of Statistics at Colorado State University.
2: And so I want to ask some questions about the Colorado fire season of 2020, but want to just start at a really basic sort of level with it and say, could you describe northern Colorado and what the environment is like there?
3: I, I think we would be described as, as semi-arid where Fort Collins is is at the intersection between the Rocky Mountains and, and the Great Plains. To the west of us sits um, high mountains. We've got mountains of, of greater than, than 13 and 14,000 feet to the west of us. Rocky Mountain National Park is essentially just west of us. The mountains are pine forests and forest burn. You know, this is a, a region that has experienced fires throughout history and, and prehistory. The fires are a natural part of the Western landscape. So one of the questions is, have the fires changed? we've seen the most extreme fires in Colorado in history have occurred in the last 20 years. And so people are very interested in understanding why. And it's a complex question because there can be a, a climate signal to that. There could be a management signal. It's it's pretty clear that the, the management practices of the, of the national forests have affected the nature of fire here in the West. And so trying to piece together that story, it's a, it's a complex story, but uh, there are lots of factors that are that we believe are driving what is very clear is a change in fire behavior recently from 50, 60 years ago.
1: Okay, so I'm wondering how exactly Dan measures fire.
0: Yeah, what... what? Is the actual unit of measurement, or heck, what even, like, what's the method? So Dan uses something
2: called the Fire Weather Index in in this analysis, and it is a numerical index that measures fire danger. It relies on weather data like wind speed and humidity, as well as the amount of accumulated fuel that could burn. I asked Dan to describe how the Fire Weather Index works, what its inputs are, and why each of them is important to understanding why the risks of fire are higher today than they were in the past.
3: Well, the, the fire weather index is a is a formula, and everything that goes into that formula is a weather variable. So things like temperature and wind speed and precipitation and so forth are all input into this fire weather index. And what the, the formula does is it takes those weather inputs and it breaks it into to two pieces. One is the ISI, the initial spread index. The the second is the BUI, the buildup index. And they're trying to get at different things. The ISI is sort of saying, what are the current conditions and how ripe are they for explosive wildfires? So current wind speed is going to be a major player in the ISI. The buildup index tries to talk about how the forest conditions are evolving over the season. And so the... The amount of precipitation over the last two weeks or month very much drives the buildup index. And then the the ultimate fire weather index is a combination of this ISI and BUI. And what it attempts to do is it attempts to put a number on the the fire risk at a particular time, taking all of these these factors into account. And so that brings us to that climate signal.
2: Can you describe your findings of fire risk how fire risk in northern colorado has evolved during the time that we've had the fire weather index as a metric
3: so we did a study looking at the at the fire weather index and we we pulled the fire weather index from from a couple of different sources we looked at the fire weather index from reanalysis data. We looked at fire weather index from observational data. So we can talk about the different types of data that we, we've analyzed if, if you like. But what we do is we fit a statistical model to uh, the fire weather index of seasons produced in, in recent climate, basically the last 20 years of 20 fi- the last 20 fire seasons, which we defined as starting in June and ending in, in October. And we see a very clear signal, a, a strikingly clear signal here in Colorado. So many of the attribution studies well, I guess we'll talk about attribution here very shortly, but many attribution studies are trying to see, to assess differences in climate and, and the differences may not be very dramatic. And yet you're trying to say how uh, the probability of observing an extreme event has changed when we started looking at fire weather index in colorado the the shift in the distribution of the fire weather index is really dramatic and that's true whether we look at the reanalysis data or whether we look at at observational data from a, from a weather station and so the 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 signal we're seeing from climate that is that comes through our analysis of the fire weather index is that Things have changed v- dramatically between the period that we looked at, the the, the recent period was basically from 2000 to, to 2021, and the uh, an earlier period that was roughly 1960 to 1980.
0: I have some questions about the climate of the southwestern United States more broadly. So in recent decades, the population has boomed throughout the southwest. That strains resources and especially water, right? Right. And we can see from this analysis
2: that detailed weather records for the region haven't been around all that long. So I asked Dan, what do we know about how well suited this region's climate is for supporting its population over the long term? So could you explain how a time series is helpful in demonstrating that changes to climate have occurred and that events like the 2020 fire season are not
3: simply an extreme event? So, yeah, the way we chose to model fire was was through a time series. And, and we thought that that was a natural approach because the risk of fire on June 30th is Depend uh, the, the the risk of fire on, on June 30th very likely is dependent on the risk of fire in June 29th. We're seeing how the, the 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 conditions in the forest are changing. Those conditions again we've worked on the, the fire weather index, but but by keeping track of precipitation throughout the season, the fire weather index evolves its its buildup index, which talks about how they risk of fire is growing due to a prolonged period of dryness. So there is clearly temporal dependence in fire risk, day-to-day dependence in fire risk. And so that's why we chose a a time series approach. Time series approaches have been around for, for decades, but most time series approaches describe dependence through the center of the distribution. They basically look Talk about how one day correlates to the next day correlates to the next day, and when we're talking about fire risk, we're interested in how the dependence in the tail. If we're at very high fire risk on June 29th, how does that relate to the fire risk on on June 30th? And 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 the if we're if we summarize dependence through correlation, which looks at the center of the distribution, we might not get that right. And so that's why we chose to use a model which focused on the extremes of the time series and which we fit in, according to that mantra, which I I talked about earlier, where we only look at the extreme data to fit it. And so in the end, we come up with a model that we think captures the extreme behavior, but if we turned the question around and tried to use our model to say something about the mean behavior, that would be a silly thing to do because we, we did not, our, our model doesn't capture the mean behavior by design.
2: How much of a factor or how much of a consideration is human behavior
3: in these types of models? Here's the understatement of the century, the human behavior is hard to predict. When, if, if, if we look at the, the Colorado fire season study, what we find is that in the climate, the, the observed climate of the last 20 years compared to the observed climate of the, say 1960 to 1980, there's a clear change in, in the, the, the fire weather index. That fire weather index is different in the last 20 years than it was in that previous 20 year period. Is that due to human induced climate change? I would say almost certainly, but we, that's not the, the that's not the test we did. We did not do human induced climate versus non human induced climate. We did observed climate to previously observed climate. Is the last 20 years indicative of the current climate? it's the best thing we've got. Could it be a 20-year period which is exceptionally dry and exceptionally warm given the large-scale climate? It could be. We don't have any way of extracting that. All we can do is compare the, the climate that we've got. So in that way, we're not looking at the human signal in that study. Now, when we, when you your, your original question talked about human behavior, and people want to assess what is climate going to look like in 50 years. People are building structures that need to do to take into account what an extreme event looks like in, in 50 years. And so what is the climate going to look like in 50 years? Then you are really starting to perform a guessing game of what the human behavior is going to look like over the next 50 years. And, and this is a, a real challenge for climate modeling and a, and a climate modeler could speak Better about it than I could, but you have to think about a scenario. What if we are aggressive in reducing greenhouse gas emissions? What if we aren't? And that the, the the climate 50 years from now, as produced by the climate models, looks very different under those two different scenarios. And so, if you are a Department of Transportation, if you are an energy company, and you're building infrastructure you have to take your best guess at what that human behavior is when you're trying to assess what does my infrastructure need to look like to withstand what extreme events look like in 50 years or 100 years a question on everybody's mind in the southwest US is is water we are seeing we have we have been through a prolonged period of what people are calling drought. The last 20 years have been exceptionally dry. We see that in the, the water storage currently in Lake Powell and Lake Mead, and we see it in the conditions of our forest. And the a, a question on people's mind that the data can't answer for us is the climate distribution has changed. The, the, the how much of the dryness that we've experienced in the last 20 years is due to a climatological shift and how much of it is due to a, I'm, I'm throwing air quotes up here, a, a weather shift? Or have we just observed a period of, expe- uh, of exceptionally dry weather given the current climate? And this is, this is very difficult to tease out from the, from the data itself. But the, you know, the way we look forward when we're looking at growth in the West and delivering water to to people and to to agriculture and so forth, if what we've observed has just been an exceptionally dry 20-year period, despite the, the changes in climate, well, then that means something different for future practice than if this is the new normal. And so I think, people around the, the world are trying to figure out, you know, what is the new normal and how can we, what do we need to do to move forward? And these are very, very difficult questions to answer.
0: Well, that raises some pretty big questions, doesn't it?
1: Yeah. So the Southwestern states have grown a lot, like a lot, a lot over the last quarter century. Quarter century? Yeah, that's right. Oh, okay. And (laughs) yeah, I think that's the right timeframe. But it makes you wonder how sustainable this can really be.
0: Yeah. And what what, what wildfires might be like in the future? I mean, Colorado still has a lot of forests, even after the fire season of 2020.
1: Yeah. And we can't be sure how the climate will evolve in that region. But research, I guess, can help us understand what's actually happening.
0: I I mean, I, I hope so. And I will I would trust the experts on this one. It really helps to get past what people are saying about our changing climate and let the data speak for itself. And so with that, that's all from Third Pod from the Sun.
1: Big thank you to Dan for sitting down with us and sharing his incredible work with us.
0: This episode was produced by Ty Burke with audio engineering from Colin Warren and artwork by Jay Steiner. And be sure to head over to the Carry the Two podcast next week for more from Dan on the math and stats front.
1: We'd love to hear thoughts on the podcast. So please rate and review us and you can find new episodes on your favorite podcasting app or at thirdpodfromthesun.com.
0: Thanks all. And we'll see you next week. That made me think
1: of a few not every summer but a few summers for the past while we've gone to like a motorcycle race on the beach in okay. New Jersey and then one night they make like a huge bonfire like the fire department comes to help make it Oh bonfire. sure like okay that's how big it is so it's like you you watch these motorcycle races on the beach all day and then you're standing like with all of these like motorcycle people on the beach in the dark at this like huge bonfire and it's like seriously I've never felt cooler in my whole life <laughs>
0: like uh, like, oh man my street cred is just gonna go up exponentially like, from yeah. from zero to one uh. yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <Yes>. <laughs> cool onlooker
0: <laughs> just like cool by jason c yeah